Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Welcome to episode 11 of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Photoshop. I'm Dave Cross, and in this week's episode, I have a great chat with Meredith Payne Stotzner, one of the Photoshop product managers. This was an extremely interesting chat we had because Meredith let us see inside the process of how a lot of things happen in the world of Adobe and Photoshop. So before we get to the chat, here is her official bio. Meredith Payne Stossner is a longtime member of the Photoshop team at Adobe. Her photographic experience from NASA, Minolta, and RIT's imaging and photographic technology program give her a unique customer-focused perspective for her position as Photoshop product manager. If you ask her, she says that she has the most awesome job in the world. She gets to work with brilliant and dedicated people, meet amazing and creative users from around the world, and help deliver Photoshop magic. Here's my chat with Meredith. All right. Well, thank you, Meredith, for joining in on the podcast today. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Awesome. So first of all, you know, we know your official title and everything Adobe, but give us the sort of quick version of you've been there for a certain amount of time and you do whatever job. Yeah. So <laughs> so I've had a couple different jobs at Adobe. Um, next month is actually my 20th anniversary at the company. Wow. Um, but I've been on the Photoshop team for 17 years and I've been the Photoshop product manager for the last three years. My area of specialty on the Photoshop team is the technology transfer. And that's that's where we take the the projects from the Adobe research team, decide what would make a good feature that would solve a customer problem, and bring that into Photoshop. Cool. And that actually brings up one of the, the questions. Over, over the years, I've talked, to, of course, to many people who use Photoshop, and there seems to be this kind of, I don't want to call it skepticism, but they're kind of like, would Adobe really listen? Like if I had an idea, would they really, you know, because I'm just one person, you know, so give us a bit of an idea of the process. If someone has what they think would be either an interesting new feature or a tweak, is there a process that someone can say, here's an idea that I'd like to submit to someone. So here's my plug for feedback.photoshop.com. You know, there are lots of ways and places and people to talk to to give Photoshop ideas or complaints, but that feedback.photoshop.com is one that is really well monitored by not just the Photoshop team, but I think kind of like higher up executives mm -hmm. are paying attention to that one. And it's great because I don't know if you've heard of, you know, Jeff Tranberry. Yes. He's our customer, chief customer advocate. Right. So he's really good about if there's five different threads, he'll bring them all together. Mm. So five different threads that are actually the same request. He's good at bringing them all together and making sure that, you know, it's heard as like, hey, there's 10 customers who are asking for this and we realize that 10 yeah. doesn't sound like a large vote but we realize that you know one customer represents maybe a thousand voices sure so. certainly now i'm curious to know has there ever been I'm, I'm guessing the answer is yes but have there ever been a case where people say i wish photoshop could do this and you're like yeah, it has for like the last three versions of Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that happens. I was on a customer visit not too long ago, and I can't remember the specific feature, but he said, yeah, I just really wish it would do, and I, like I said, I can't remember mm -hmm. it. And, and it's there, and it's, you know, one of the things we struggle with being uh, such a large application. Right. Um, you know, we try and educate people as to n new features or, or um, little 
cool changes and it's it's hard <laughs> to get the word out sure. um so uh yeah, we'd, we love help spreading the word. Well, and, and of course, to be fair, as a user, unless you're that curious person that just goes poking around to try and see, oh, what's dif- different in this dialog box? Right. I mean, I was telling a story today at Photoshop World that talking about in the middle of a seminar a few years ago, I was about to show that when you went to apply a filter to type that it would tell you you have to rasterize the type and I would always pause to say you don't want to do that and all of a sudden the dialog box said or convert to a smart object I was like ooh yay <laughs> when did that happen so even I was just like that must have yeah. been an update that I missed somewhere and the audience kind of looked at me like why is he so excited I'm like you don't understand this is this is really big stuff and I didn't even know it was there so yeah. you know there are times where it's hard to keep up so when you're involved in the development of new features how much do you represent the voice of those people like is that part of your role is to say well I hear this a lot so can we move something in this direction is that part of the the process as well yes so that's kind of at the core of my position is to make sure that we're you know I'm defining the feature as what the customer wants and what the customer needs but it's not just the product managers that do that there's only a few product managers for Photoshop I started out as a QE which is a quality engineer mm-hmm. um, also known as a tester so I tested Photoshop for uh, 14 years and um, we had a lot of interaction with the customer we're very involved with pre-release and uh, Adobe's a great company to work for in that Everybody has a voice. Mm. There's no, you know, nobody is ignored. Right. Um, in fact, John Warnock, one of the founders, one of his um, famous quotes is, "Good ideas come from everywhere in the company." Mm. So, so definitely, it's it's not just up to me to represent the customer. It's the rest of the team. But yeah, the buck stops here. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's why I go to things like Photoshop World and other conferences and go and speak to customers. Sure. Let's talk about something that seems to be coming up more and more that I'm sure there are people who've kind of heard the term but aren't exactly sure when they'll say, oh, well, that's Adobe Sensei. Oh. And it sounds very like, ooh, <laughs> dojo and like, uh, but what what exactly does that mean to, to us as Photoshop users in terms of what it's doing now and what maybe we might expect it to do? It's magic. It's just pure black <laughs> Photoshop magic. magic. Yeah. Um, so Adobe Sensei is all of the technologies that are um, machine learning, deep learning, artificial intelligence, uh, and also just advanced algorithms. It's, it's just the magic and how we package up the magic into one place. And so what would be an example of a, a re- relatively recent feature that people would have seen that would rely on that? to work. So if you've used the fairly new, I guess it's about a year and a half old select subject mm-hmm. in Photoshop. So it's actually, we trained an algorithm to, uh, we trained it on tens of thousands of images and it recognizes people, products, animals. And um, it, it, I, this is such a weird term, salient, like which mm. it picks the most salient objects in the image. So the most obvious objects and selects them. So, I'm curious to know what is that when you when you say it was trained does that mean like there's an intern that's loading like thousands of photos or like how does that actually how does one train a, yeah. an artificial intelligence to yeah, recognize you, things so um, it's uh, garbage in garbage out <laughs> so um, it's kind of time consuming to make sure that you have really good for this one um, we needed good quality masks that had you know nice edges and great selections and um, literally fed it 
this is this is the subject. This is the mask. Mm. This is what you need to output to us. Okay. Yeah. So that that must have been a, quite a lengthy. Now is that still an ongoing process that continues to? So I can't comment on upcoming features, of sure. course, but it is um, my goal as sort of the custodian of these Sensei features inside Photoshop that um, when there's machine learning that we will continue to train and update and make them better. So someone who might have looked at select subject the when it very first came out might see a difference down the road that it's getting more accurate over they time very well might see that's cool that. because yeah. it's already pretty darn good i gotta say <laughs> yeah i really do like it i've told people this before but you know as much as i love photoshop there are times where i see a new feature i'm like oh yeah well let try and do this then and i try and <laughs> yeah. find an image that i'm like there's no way it's gonna do this and i gotta say the first like i guess maybe four or five well let's let's see it select the subject on this one i'm like Okay, Photoshop, yeah. that was pretty good. <laughs> and even yeah. the times where it wasn't like, okay, it missed a bit. It was still, it missed a bit. It's still, for the most part, you know, maybe it was a person that didn't get the gap underneath their arm because their hand was on their hip. But overall, it's like, well, I can fix that in like no time at all compared to what it would have taken me to select the rest of the object, right. you know, and, rest of the person. And I have to admit my, my own skepticism, and I'll go back to the select subject as an example. When it was first pitched to us, because our research team comes in to, at us with dozens of projects and, you know, we kind of look at them and think, ah, oh, this may be right, maybe not right. I looked at this one and um, I was like, I, I don't think Photoshop users are having you know, troublemaking selections that this would actually help them. So um, one of the parts of my job is then I test my own theories and I proved myself wrong. <laughs> it was, um, we actually recorded people making selections and there were three pretty basic things. One was a very boxy house, one was a furry cat, and um, one was two kids in a riverbed. So if you ever did one of these tests, now you know that that was actually Adobe. <laughs> if you were one of those <laughs> tester people. And and so we, we watched them make the selections and first we asked them how long we thought it would take or how long they thought it would take them and they would give us an estimate and then they would do it. Oh, and we also asked them what tool they would use. Mm. And then we found that it took them about three times longer than they initially thought it would. Really? And <laughs> most people changed tools at least once. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, when a fairly, not a, not a, total beginner, someone who, who was fairly competent in Photoshop, used, um, I think it was the magnetic lasso to select the fuzzy cat. I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, wow really, okay. maybe this could this could be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And I've, I've always suggested that one of the challenges of a program like Photoshop, because of course there's so many different tools, is that we tend to become, at least to some degree, creatures of habit. Oh, yes. So like that person, for example, probably felt I'm most confident with the magnetic lasso tool right. because maybe this other thing called the quick selection tool might work, but I've never really used it. So I'm going to go with the one that I know, yep. even though it probably would not be the best yeah. choice in the world. So I, I myself am guilty of that. I you know, learned Photoshop on version 2.5 and um, I was doing something in front of my manager and... Um, all right, maybe this is a really shameful point and I shouldn't mention it, but I'm going to go ahead. Um, so I, even I, though I know there are better ways to make a solid layer, I make a new layer, I grab the paint bucket, I grab my color and I fill it. All right, there's a fill layer. All right, so, so I was in front of my manager. He's like, Meredith, why? Why? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I can't help myself. Yes, I couldn't stop. 
<laughs> and and you know by the same token, and this is we I've had this discussion with a few other people on various podcast episodes where sometimes because there's so many tutorials out there, I think people get almost too caught up on I'm probably not doing it the best way. There's probably a better way, and I'm like, you know what? If you got though that layer filled with color you still re- achieved your goal, whether, you know, yeah, and there might be a, a shortcut that's faster, but at the same time, don't stop doing something because you're like, oh, this probably isn't the best way. It's like, well, it, yeah. maybe not, but at the same time, you're still achieving something. And right. I think and sometimes people worry too much about, oh, I've got to do it the, you know, the best way or the fastest way or whatever. Yeah, they do it the way you can remember. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, there's, there's five ways to do almost everything in Photoshop. Sure. Now, speaking of that, one of the things that I'm not sure how to phrase the question, but so I'll, I'll tell you the story. There's a couple of people, members that are in my training site that ask questions about, you know, what does this do or, you know, what's this setting do? And sometimes I'll, I'm being honest to them. I'll say, you know, honestly, I haven't used that tool in a long time because now this other tool, frankly, to me, is a better way. And then they say, so why is that other one still there? Oh. And, you know, that brings up that question of, Will there ever be times where a tool is retired because there are other tools that are better, or is that just not going to happen because Adobe knows there are still people that use that other method? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we try to remove the cruft. And inevitably, there is somebody who <laughs> that method is the only way it works for some specific reason. So, yeah, that's that's a tough one on the team. Yeah. We really would love to remove the craft, but don't want to hurt any right. customers' workflows. Sure. Yeah, especially one of the areas that we have to be particularly careful about is um, actions. Right. right. I was going to say we, that's we probably We never want to break an action. Yeah. Um, somebody paid money for an action and it does something very specific that they love. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about by the same token when, you know, obviously the creative cloud is the way that things are, are happening and, you know, there's developments like creative cloud libraries, which are just a fabulous way of working. Obviously, there are still people out there that are have decided one for one reason or another, I'm sticking with CS6, and I know that officially that's a version that doesn't. But do you do you still get people kind of saying, you know, why won't you <laughs> help us? Like, that's pretty cool. Can we get that feature in, in our version of Photoshop? Is there still some of that happening out there? We hear, yeah, there's, there's still a few people out there who don't quite understand how you know, software versioning works. Yeah, they're just, there really is nothing we can do to update right. CS6. It's <laughs> right. So. It is what it is. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, it, some people are happy with it and mm-hmm. good good for them. They've got a workflow that works for them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I recall back in the early days when I was, I was working at an Apple dealer and that was back when, you know, PageMaker was probably just had become part of the Adobe family with the, you know, the purchase of Aldous and then became very, you know, replaced mm-hmm. with InDesign. But uh, we had a, a an older gentleman who was a customer of this Apple dealership where I worked and he would come in periodically to get like paper for his image writer, you know, dot matrix <laughs> printer. And we're like, you know, there's this new Mac and there you could get a laser printer. And he said, you know, I write poetry and I print it. So... Yeah. My old Macintosh 
you know, and my image writer, it's just fine. Right. And I thought, you got to respect that, that, you know, that's, we think about, oh, look at this latest, greatest, whatever. But for some people, it's like, you know, this works for me, you know, and it's, it's what I do. So nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no. And, and there are some industries where that's just, especially when you're in a slow moving industry, the one that's not quick to adopt new tech, mm-hmm. uh, the government. Right. Government is not... Not high tech. I mean, it is high tech, but doesn't doesn't make changes quickly. So, yeah, we get it. <laughs> okay, we're going to continue our chat in a moment. But first... It's time for the tip of the week. This week's tip is a simple shortcut, but very effective and especially works well for people who have a hard time remembering shortcuts. When you want to close a document, press Command or Control W and you'll get a dialog box asking if you want to save it or not. So you press D for don't save, escape if you want to cancel or S to save. Simple as that. Members of learningphotoshop.cc have unlimited anytime access to Photoshop tutorials in-depth multi-lesson courses, as well as live Q&A sessions twice a month. Take your knowledge of Photoshop to the next level at learningphotoshop.cc. All right, we're back talking with Meredith, our good friend from Adobe. And not to be, I don't, I'm not going to go in down any roads of, of controversy or anything <laughs> like that. But one of the things that I remember hearing whenever that was year, years ago, where were the first announced that Adobe was just going, Creative Cloud was mm-hmm. it. Like you had to go that way. That one of the fears that I heard was, well, now Adobe doesn't have to innovate anymore because, you know, they've kind of got our monthly amount. And certainly my perception has always been completely the opposite, that it just seems like that's the nature of the company. Would you agree that that you're seeing it yourself, that, that there's never that feeling like we can just sort of sit back because we have subscribers, but we yeah. want to just keep adding more and yeah. innovating? A- absolutely. We... we so Adobe has core values. It's um, genuine, exceptional, innovative, and involved. And you know, innovation is rewarded, encouraged. Um, like I had mentioned earlier in the cast, that uh, good ideas come from everywhere in the company. Um, good ideas come from all our customers. And uh, I can speak for the section of the Photoshop team and the um, digital imaging team that I work on. You know, we're growing. We're we're doing more to get the latest and greatest innovation into the customer's hands. Nice. I think an an example of that, well, there's lots of examples, but it seems like, well, here's a good example, content aware technology, you know, in in its very first iteration, it was like, ooh, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I honestly had a hard time imagining, well, it could only get better by adding a couple of little things. And then all of a sudden we have the new, newer content aware fill workspace where it's like now you can pick the area and get a preview. And I mean, that's that's pretty amazing that someone took a technology that was already pretty darn good and found ways to make it even better. So we're always watching for, you know, our goal is not to replace people's creativity. We want to remove the drudgery and the, the stuff you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. The stuff that's repetitive, takes a lot of time, um, you know, taking you out of the zone. We want to get that out of your way and do that for you. So so when we realized that people were, when they're doing a content to wear fill and it wasn't quite right, they, they have to 
stop their creative brain mm. and do this repetitive refill, refill, refill until they get it right. Like, oh, we can, we can do something about that. We can, we can fix that. So as, as an example, in a case like that, so let's imagine that, you know, content where Phil was fairly new and you saw that that was happening. What's kind of the, the process to say, well, how can we make it better? Is there like a brainstorming and some uber brain engineer type people like, well, I could maybe there's an algorithm or something. You know, how does that <laughs> kind of go from this is something that we sh- we maybe can help with to it actually becoming a feature we see under a menu? Yeah. So that content or fill is is a little bit unique in that. There's um, one or two Uber brains around <laughs> that, but some of the other areas where where you know we get together and we see that there's there's a need, there's a problem. Um, you know, we we do customer visits, we monitor feedback.photoshop.com, um, and you know we'll be watching a customer and we'll see them do something repetitively, and then we go back after the customer visit, have a little brainstorm, um, and then we have these things called learning sprints, where I hope this isn't too much detail. No, it's where um, we do. Um, we spend four hours a day for a week. There'll be a small group of us. Um, we have like an hour kickoff. We talk about the problem. We talk about some of our assumptions about the problem. And then we scatter and we go, we learn all we can about it. Hmm. You know, somebody might go look at uh, how we used to do something or how Illustrator's doing it better because we heard Illustrator, everybody likes Illustrator for this, <laughs> right? And then, you know, we send an engineer off to do some of the technical evaluation. How come we did it the way we did it? And what what's possible and then we come back every day we have like a little 15 minute powwow hey what we learn okay what do we need to learn next and mm. then at the end of this week we pull it all together we make some recommendations um, you know define some next steps and uh, sometimes we'll just re- you know wash rinse repeat right, right. do it again until we've got <laughs> it figured out nice now as part of the process so let's imagine and without talking any particular features that there's some feature that involves let's say a, a, an interface of some kind a dialogue box how often would you have some idea and the the first version they come back you're like not really or that's really pretty close like is there like i'm sure obviously it's a process but mm-hmm. how often is there like that's a really good start but you we need to come up with a different name for this checkbox is i'm sure that's all part of the process as well that is that's so once we start to do the implementation we rely on our pre-release users um we eat our own dog food you know <laughs> uh, even even our um, vice president of digital imaging she's she's got a design background hmm. so we're very involved ourselves and make sure that we continue to involve customers cool now obviously we can't um well i say we but you can't give away (laughs) any of the the new features but on a scale of one to ten where would you say your excitement level of what's coming down the pipe is for the next year or so okay well so i i can't say any specific dates and i can't announce anything that hasn't already been announced um but you know at adobe max last year we did say we'd be shipping an ipad version of photoshop Mm -hmm. or photoshop on your ipad in 2019 and you know it's what is it (laughs) there's only so many months yeah (laughs) only so much time left in the year so that's exciting but um yeah there's there's a couple so Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> so, yeah, I I have a couple of things that I'm been working on with with the team that 
I'm really excited about. Um, and I, you know, I just hope everybody loves it as much as I do. <laughs> so that that actually uh, leads me to another question. And this is going to sound like I'm completely changing gears here, but it'll make sense at the end. When my wife Marlene and I first got married, we hired a photographer that was pretty well known for the wedding, but it was still, this was pre-digital. So we went back to see him and he had all the, the proofs spread mm-hmm. out on the table. And he said, the way I like to do it is just have your first reaction. Anyone that you don't like, just turn it upside down. So take it out of the equation. So there was one that was sort of a superimposed us and the altar or something. And we both turned it over and he just went, oh, <laughs> and it was kind of like this feeling like always he didn't say it, but you could just tell I really liked that one because yeah. it was done in camera and everything else. And I, the reason I told that story is because there I'm wondering if there are times where there was some new thing that you were just like, this is so great. And then you showed it to people and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like, so really? I thought this was so great. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm, can't think of an example, but yeah, I've, I, you know, uh, my theories have been proven wrong before. I'd be really <laughs> excited about something and then people are just not not as excited about it. I think for for Photoshop features, though, I mean, we, we do so much research and mm-hmm. looking into it that rarely do things fall flat unless we don't do the appropriate research. Right. Yeah, and I think part of it probably comes back to what we talked about before is sometimes things kind of f- not fall through the cracks but from the standpoint of a new user or a, someone using the new version they might just miss something because they didn't yeah. happen to go into that dialogue box and see there's a really useful checkbox that didn't used to be there some of those uh, that reminds me to talk a little bit about the JDI side of things because I'm aware of a little bit of how that works but for listeners who aren't that familiar what is what is the JDI part of the process so JDI stands for just do it and these are supposed to be um, small improvements or tweaks to the product that aren't supposed to take an immense amount of time but have a good uh, user impact and I'm trying to think I was just talking about a JDI earlier today <laughs> uh, alright Dave help me out can you think of a JDI that- well I'm thinking there were things like well, I remember one off the top of my head for a while back where they're they're in layer styles for certain ones there was never you couldn't change the it would always switch back to the default of red or something and you couldn't yeah. make your own default so then there became a checkbox that was like make default or something like that where it was just fixing a small little thing that was just annoying right but it was when you saw it like oh that's so much better even though it's one <laughs> checkbox i think that's right. kind of a, an example but from your end of things how does that work is there like a big excel spreadsheet or something or like how do they sort of manage we've got this yeah. big long list and now we have to yeah you know, work our way through it it's um you know everything is priorities mm-hmm. um uh, and so, again, a lot of it is customer feedback, customer votes. Sometimes it's it's personal projects. Um, one of them was, well, Scott Kelby asked me for something specifically or asked us for something mm-hmm. specifically. And, uh, you know, I sat down, I darkened the door or darkened the desk of the engineer. I was like, I cannot look at Scott again <laughs> if I do not get this fixed. Please fix this. But... But yeah, that's that's sort of the process is again mm-hmm. customer feedback and and because we are users of our own product, the things that you know personally annoy us. <laughs> <laughs> so is there uh, like a process with that where obviously there are key main features that people are working on? Do they are they kind of given permission to take a little bit of time away from that to spend a few minutes at, at, on these JDIs or how do they kind of balance the 
you know, the, the cool stuff that marketing wants because right. it's, you know, it's a great way to sell people on the new version versus the little things that you're not going to say, hey, we fixed 15 things that people hated before isn't a great marketing thing, but, you know. So I'm going to jump in first <laughs> and say that marketing does not dictate what goes into Photoshop. Nice. That is a Photoshop team. You know, every now and then there's something... Okay, we're a large company. There are some people who will influence things. Or if, if, you know, Illustrator and InDesign, there might be a suite level thing we have to do. But for the most part, Photoshop features are determined by the Photoshop team, which are determined by our customers' needs. But, okay, so then back to the, yes, (laughs) the JDI time is encouraged. We... You know, every now and then we'll go through phases where we're like, hey, this is a great JDI day. Everybody do a mm. JDI today. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and uh, we haven't done that recently, but um, yeah, it's kind of a one of those things like, you know, we get the 4th of July break coming up. So as people wind down, they might take their take a little time off of the really heavy, intense thing that they're <laughs> thinking about and do the the little fun, quick fix that they wanted to do. Cool. So I won't ask you this question because it's, it doesn't make sense based on your role, but just so you know, each of the people I've been interviewing, the majority of them, at least the, one of the questions I ask is, if suddenly the world changed and you were in charge of Adobe, what are the things or main, one one or two things you would change about Photoshop? So I'll give you a list later because there are some pretty interesting things okay. in there. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. <laughs> but and and it was interesting because some of them were like very specific, like camera raws an adjustment layer. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, I like that. And others were more global, like addressing the pro users more than the yeah. beginning users or things like that. And and that one I thought was interesting because that's gotta be a tough balancing act for you guys to say we know we have the experienced user that's always looking for the next big thing mm-hmm. to help them versus the new people where we don't want them to be overwhelmed. So let's kind of introduce features that help them. So that, how do you kind of balance those two things? So uh, I think when we do things for our experienced users, I, they, they're not always making really complex requests. Mm. They want performance. And we've been focusing sure. a lot on performance and startup time. So so that helps everybody. Right. Sometimes some of the things for the uh, beginning users are not going to help the more experienced users. Actually, I love, have you seen the rich tooltips? Yes. I love them, right? I don't. I don't necessarily need them myself, but but I love the rich tooltips. Although I, I'll, I'll let you get back to your your answer in a second. But just as a side, on this Photoshop world, I decided to use a fairly new laptop I hadn't used before, and I thought I'd done a pretty good job of making sure. And then I was doing something, and suddenly this rich tooltip popped up. I was like, ah, because I'm just not used to, and because it was moving, you know. Right, and I was right. like, Who's doing that? And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. It's a rich yeah. tooltip. So so <laughs> yeah, with with very few exceptions, and I know that there's one very controversial exception out there. <laughs> if there's something you don't like, there's probably a preference to make it go away. Right. <laughs> but uh, I got distracted. So I distracted balancing myself. the you know beginner versus. Yeah. pro user and just kind of making yeah. sure you're keeping everyone happy. Yeah, it's just sort of, uh, you know, again, number of requests and uh, customer impact, especially something, you know, like I said, the pro users, pro users, what they ask for is usually going to benefit other people. Sure. Every now and then they'll want an advanced dialogue for something mm-hmm. and we try and accommodate um, 
make it uh, kind of not hide it from the beginner users, right. but you know that it is a fine balance of sure. power versus complexity. Mm -hmm. We always you know say that Photoshop is a sharp sword. <laughs> um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> now I'm. I'm going to guess and say this has probably happened, but I'm, I'm just curious to know if there are times where somebody through the, the feedback or something comes, starts their, their request with, I use Photoshop for, and you go on, you go, what? Like in some really <laughs> unusual, like, you know, I don't know, I can't think like textile design or something that you're kind of like, yes, we get so focused on photography and, you know, the right. web design or whatever, but have there been any things like that that have ever kind of really surprised you? you? Go, wow! I never really thought about that part of, or that reason for using Photoshop. Yes, it, uh, things happen all the time. Like every time we go on a customer visit, every single customer is different. Mm -hmm. um, most recently, I spoke to a customer at Photoshop World, and um, he makes uh, vector outlines of images, and then he has um, a CNC router, and uh, it's a material I'd never heard of. Encaustic, it's a little wax. Oh yeah, the wax. Thing, right. Yeah. So he uses. So he, you know, does the uh, router has has it outline it and then inlays it with um, embroidery floss and <laughs> and does some painting and um, he described his process and I didn't actually get to see one of his final mm. um, products, but it's like I would have never thought <laughs> to use Photoshop in in that sure. way for that sort of project. That's really interesting. But, I mean, that's just has always been something that intrigued me because we, like I said, we get so focused on photography and, you know, design and whatever, but there are people out there using it with, you know, electron microscopes to measure the number of right. microbes in a whatever. Yeah, you know. so, so quite a few years ago, we put in a, a counter just mm -hmm. for, because we found that um, in the medical industry, people were going through and looking at an image of a, a scan of cells and manually counting and then losing track. <laughs> so, so we put in a counter so that, you know, making, making a, sure. the world a safer place. <laughs> well, Meredith, thank you very much for joining. I think this has been really interesting because everyone has kind of their perception of how things happen at Adobe, but it's it's really, for me at least, satisfying to hear you a number of times say it really is customer driven. It's not just yeah. a bunch of people like, well, we think this is a good idea, that it really is coming from the customers. I think yep. that's fantastic. And can I put in one more plug oh, for feedback.photoshop.com? <laughs> feedback .photoshop.com. It's it's really one of the best places to to give us feedback. Awesome. Thanks so much, Meredith. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, that brings this episode to a close. I don't know about you, but I found that really interesting to get some insights as to the way Adobe does things. And it's kind of give me hope that Photoshop will continue to improve when they are so customer driven and also want to be innovating all the time with new things that are going to help us as users. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you as a listener. And don't forget, you can always subscribe and share this with your Photoshop using friends. I'm Dave Cross. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. Find us at TalkingShop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.